What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Chord Chronicles. And this isn't just any old episode. This is episode number 20. Can you believe it? Wow. Can you believe we made it 20 episodes? That's 20 weeks. It's been 20 weeks. <laughs> that's five months. That's a lot of music. Well, that's a lot of music, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if anyone else has been following along, but if you have, you've listened to a bunch of music. A bunch of good, some bad, but you know, overall, I thought we would have at least more bad than we've really encountered. Yeah. Because for the most part, every album we've had has had at least one redeeming song. Yeah. There's very few that just are terrible. Yeah, 70 has been a pretty good year. I'll say that. Uh, a lot of them is, like, a lot of the albums have been big surprises for me. I don't want to say letdowns. But maybe something I was not expecting going into it. I'll I'll talk more about that in a few minutes, though. But um, you know, it it has uh, been a busy week as always. Lots of stuff going on. Trying to get uh, get everything set up for Thanksgiving. I'm sure everyone out there, you know, that celebrates Thanksgiving, is doing that as well. Be sure to go ahead and get your turkeys <laughs> before they're gone. Before everyone claims those, like they have the toilet paper. Make your plans to celebrate okay. safely. Oh, yeah, you're going to have to celebrate at home and, and Zoom or Facebook call or whatever. Just figure out a way. I mean, you could set up some kind of conference call and, and call relatives and just hang out like that. It, you can make it happen, guys. Yeah. It's okay. There's ways, there's ways to work around it. I mean, they have church on Facebook now. So, you can make it happen. Just be safe out there, because this thing's not going away. No, it's been getting worse where I'm at. A lot worse. And, it, I mean, by thing not going away, I'm not referring to the orange uh, growth in the White House. That uh, it still is a cancerous growth on America right now, though. But, you know, pretty soon, we'll, we won't have to worry about that. We're going to take the scalpel out. An exercise, excise, not exercise. <laughs> There's definitely no exercise going on there. We are going to excise ourselves of this menace. But, you know, I've rambled on long enough. How have you been this week, Amy? Um, I'll say the same thing I say just about every week. I've been crazy. Life's been crazy and stressful. A little frustrated right now because my audio didn't want to work, but we hope it's recording and that we will have it. <laughs> yeah, cross our fingers. <laughs> fingers, it's always toes, an issue. everything. One issue or yeah, one issue or another, but we're trying to get it out for you guys. So we'll, we'll just cross our fingers, toes, eyes, and whatever else we can manage. Legs, but it's painful. I'll try to. <laughs> cross my but, heart. Um, we are trying hard. <laughs> But, you know, I mentioned before that some of these albums were not what I was expecting going into it. The first album we're going to talk about this week is one of those cases. Uh, this album came out September 18, 1970, and this is Fleetwood Mac, Kiln House. Now, I'm familiar with some of the later Fleetwood Mac stuff. I have never really delved extensively into their catalog. I like Fleetwood Mac, but truth be told, it's mainly for Stevie Nicks. 
that's the, the Fleetwood Mac that I'm really familiar with. Rumors, definitely. I think that's probably their best album. But this album wasn't that. It was not what I expected. It is their fourth studio album. I will go ahead and say that. And this is their first album after the founder, co-founder, Peter Green, had left. And the last album to feature guitarist Jeremy Spencer. So there's a lot of transition going on right here. And you can tell by the by the sound. I want to go back and listen to some of the, the earlier stuff now and see how it compares to this. Uh, this did actually make it to number 69 on Billboard 200 in November 7, 1970. So it was, you know, relatively popular. So, you know, don't get me wrong when I said I was, you know, when I was expecting something and got something else. I wasn't disappointed. It's just not Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac. I'd say actually a lot of these songs on this album, they sound more like 50s, 60s stuff. Beatles in a way. Not completely, but there's a lot of influence. You can tell on this but um, before I actually get into the songs and like I didn't find any singles that were released for this so I normally like to point that out but I didn't find any but I mean how familiar are you with Fleetwood Mac other than you know Stevie Nicks Fleetwood Mac yeah um, kind of like you said I love Fleetwood Mac but my knowledge of their music is limited to the stuff from the latter half of the 70s and the 80s the Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham era. So I didn't know any of this earlier stuff either. I was excited to hear it. Like you said, it wasn't what I expected. I expected something more similar to what I think of as Fleetwood Mac, and you know, it's definitely not like that. I agree, it sounded like 50s and 60s music. So, again, not bad. I'm not saying that it's bad, but it was different surprised me and i will well i will point out real quick because i did talk about the transition in members i will point out the personnel real quick fleetwood mac at this time was jeremy spencer spencer uh was on guitar vocals and piano uh danny kerwin guitar vocals and lead vocals on a few of the songs uh like station man Eye judy and tell me all the things you do this album is basically a tale of two writers and vocalists you can tell that the there's two different vocalists on here and i could tell instantly like the tone of the album there's some tracks that have danny kerwin and i like those better than the tracks that have jeremy spencer as lead vocals on them for the most part like station man I'm gonna hit get ahead of myself but that's probably the best song on the album if not there's there's another one that's close to it but John McVie is, is your bass guitarist, and then we have Mick Fleetwood, drums and percussion. So there's your, you know, Fleetwood part of it. But additional personnel, uh, Christine McVie provided back background vocals, a Wurlitzer 200 amp, I'm, I'm assuming a 200A, so whatever that is in my notes, a Wurlitzer 200A, and she plays piano a little bit, but she's uncredited for, for that. Another interesting thing that she provided, though, is the artwork on the album cover. From a distance, it actually reminds me of the old 
Japanese art with the colors and the way it's set up or I yeah. mean maybe a, even a little bit I could see it being old 50s 40s and 50s books some of the illustrations in there I can see that as well yeah. but it, it's a really cool cover I do like the cover it's a little more colorful and, than you would expect from like Dick and Jane books yeah yeah, I really like the the blue and everything in it too. I think that's it really stands out. But it, it is really interesting. But well, like I stated before, this isn't. Well, obviously, this is what we know. Fleetwood Mac has a lot of personnel changes, <laughs> so this isn't the Stevie Nicks version. So if you're if you're familiar with that, you're you're going to be totally thrown for a loop <laughs> when you're listening to this. There are quite a few songs though. I think are worthy of check. You know, need to be checked out. Um, I would say This Is The Rock was really good. I like love Station Man. I'm familiar with that song, but I just never really knew it was Fleetwood Mac. But for that track alone, I think this album needs to be checked out. It's one of the best. Um, Hi-Ho Silver. It's actually originally Honey Hush, which is a big Joe Turner song that came out in like 1953. If anyone's familiar with, with blues music or whatever, I'm familiar with honey hush and they do say it in the song they do say honey hush but i guess they titled it high hole silver because that's in it as well but i really like july judy i thought that sounded just like a beatles song it really reminded me of the beatles um i like buddy's song which is like a buddy holly tribute song that one was was um jeremy spencer providing vocals you can tell the difference in the tone of the jeremy spencer songs they're more like rockabilly or like 50s 60s rock and then i would say danny kerwin stuff is more experimental or leading more toward what fleetwood mac will become that's what i would say and there are two other songs earl gray was an instrumental and I, I really like that. I just put it on a few times now, and I keep going back to it. And finally, you know, I said Station Man was the best song on the album. Maybe 1A and 1B. Tell me all the things you do. I thought that song was amazing. And it's right there as best song on the album compared to Station Man. And just imagine that. Danny Kerwin is singing lead vocals on both of those. So... But, I mean, that's really all I had to say about it. You know, what did you think about Kiln House? Um, I did think it was good, even though it was really, really different from what I had expected. So it did really throw me off. I agree with your assessment that it sounds like the Beatles a lot. That kind of immediately reached out and grabbed me, even from the very first song, This Is The Rock. It sounded like early Beatles with a little more doo-wop in it. Just immediately screamed that to me. But I do like Beatles, and it was a catchy song, so I really enjoyed that one. I enjoyed Station Man as well. Again, really reminded me of the Beatles, but in a good way. And my favorite off of the album was actually Buddy's song. Which you might think is kind of cheating in a way, because it is a 
it's an homage to Buddy Holly. It even has his lyrics and uses his song titles. But it was really successful. It really evoked the feel of his music, even the little hiccupy quality in his vocals. They did that. And I loved it. I love Buddy Holly. I thought that they did a really good job of paying tribute to him. And after I listened, I actually found out that Buddy Holly's mother is credited as the songwriter for that because she wrote Buddy Holly's song that they were playing off of. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Cynthia, I think, is her name. But I could be wrong. (laughs) That's about all that I had to say about it. Well, I struggled with what I wanted to rate it because all the production's really good, but it's going to get the half-star bump regardless of what I rate it. And... You know, it's even though it wasn't what I was expecting going into it, I still think this is a really good album. I mean, you can tell by the number of songs that I feel like everyone should check out. And I think this is a four-star album. So I really, I, I strongly suggest people check this one out. Don't, don't sleep on it. It's really good. But, you know, what did you give it? As we usually do. Yeah. I don't pay as much attention to the production as you do, so it didn't get the half-star bump for me. So, it was three and a half stars for me. You cheated. No! You should give it the half-star bump. (laughs) Always stingy about it. It's not stingy, I just don't (laughs) notice production. You gave it a three and a half for the music itself, and so did I. Yeah, it's Beatles, though. I figured you'd be all over. Well, it's not Beatles, though. It's Fleetwood Mac. Doing their own version oh, of the I Beatles. I see what it is. And as far as Fleetwood Mac goes, I prefer the Stevie Nicks album. You couldn't rate it too highly from what's what's at the end of this episode. I see what it is. <laughs> I figured it out, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you know what? We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have a Jeff's Jamming segment. That, quite frankly, is going to be hard for me to get through, ladies and gentlemen. Talk about stingy. I'm going to be reviewing... I'm going to be reviewing Neil Young's After the Gold Rush, and I'm going to try to be nice. I'll try my best. But anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, Jeff's just jamming. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Jeff's Just Jammin'. You know what? I always say another exciting episode of Jeff's Just Jammin', but for me, not so much this week. My album has been critically acclaimed. 
a lot of people really seem to like it, but I'm just not a fan of this particular artist's vocals. And with that being said, <laughs> I had to get that one in real quick. This album was released September 19, 1970. This is Neil Young's After the Gold Rush. Now, I'm very familiar with Neil Young. I've listened to him, some of his later stuff, and Harvest, which we will be covering eventually. I've heard it. And I just don't care for his voice. His writing is amazing. And, you know, the music is really good. But I just am not a fan. But anyway, this is his third studio album. And it was released after the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young album, Deja Vu. Which we have actually covered. We've already done that on another episode of Chord Chronicles. But... That was a really good album for me. I can't remember if I gave it five stars or not, but it's really close. So be sure to check out Deja Vu from Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. But that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about After the Gold Rush. And like I said, Neil Young's writing is always really good. I just have issues with his voice. It's kind of like a Bob Dylan thing. Jeez, you know, I can't stand that either. But I'm, I've never been the biggest fan of folk rock, country rock. And I mean, I guess that's my bias going into this. But there were a couple singles from this album. It was Only Love Can Break Your Heart. And When You Dance, I Can Really Love. Now, as I went through this album, I tried not to let my bias against his voice affect my rating of this because there is some stellar writing definitely now the songs I feel like everyone should definitely check out on this album um, I don't know it, it's it's an album that has a lot of different sounds so it's really according to what type of music that you're going for but I, I would say the main songs, there were probably four on this album which you really need to check out. There is After the Gold Rush, Only Love Can Break Your Heart, which was one of the singles. Southern Man, which was one of the rocking, the rockingest songs on the album. And finally, Don't Let It Bring You Down. Now, like I said, I've just never been a huge fan of his voice. But this has been rated across the board stellar. Like five stars. This was from The Guardian um, in 1997. Um, the Guardian from the UK listed this at number 47 of 100 best albums ever. So, you know, it has a lot of accolades. I don't want to go through all of them and bore you with that. But if you are a fan of folk rock, and country rock and really stellar writing and you know you can get past Neil Young's voice Amy has no problems with it so she likes she actually likes Neil Young this would have probably been better for Amy's all alone but I say check it out and if I were to rate this I'm not gonna let my bias against his voice you know sway my rating 
I'm not going to do that. So, a lot of people say this is a five-star album. I don't believe so. I believe this is a four-star album. Still really good. So, you know, in the history of Jeff's Just Jamming, this is probably, I think this is the lowest score. I believe Iron Butterfly Metamorphosis also received four stars. So, it's right there. It's still really good. I don't believe it's as good, different style of music, obviously. But last week we had Billy Preston's Encouraging Words. I think that was a much stronger album than this. But, you know, that's like your opinion, man. <laughs> but I do strongly encourage everyone to check out Neil Young's After the Gold Rush. And especially Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young's Deja Vu, if you haven't heard that yet. So, you know, be sure to check these albums out. Listen along and... Let us know what you think as well. You know, if you agree with me, if you disagree and think I'm crazy that I don't see this as a five-star album and, you know, what's wrong with Neil's voice, you know, let me know at Chord Chronicles on Instagram because I'm always, you know, wanting to hear, I always want to hear from everyone else. I want to hear where you're from, who your favorite band is, and things like that as well. Now... You know, Neil Young wasn't my favorite thing. Next week on Jeff's Just Jamming could go one of two ways as well. It could be like Neil Young, or this could be something totally amazing. Next week on Jeff's Just Jamming, I'm going to be covering Frank Zappa's Chunga's Revenge. Title alone, you know, I already want to know what it's about. Now, we've already listened to... You know, the Mothers of Invention. Well, I have mostly. I think they've been on here. And they've been on off the record as my albums. Mothers of Invention is very experimental and not exactly pleasant. But from the song that I just previewed, I just went through, I believe it's going to be totally different. And Frank Zappa, a focused Frank Zappa, seems to be an incredible Frank Zappa. So I'm looking forward to that. So if you want to listen along, like I said, that was Frank Zappa's Chunga's Revenge. Well, I think we're going to take a quick break now. And when we get back, we're going to talk about some good albums. Because, you know, the music never stops. And neither do I. Like I said, that one was a struggle to get through. So stingy. And I hope, <laughs> I hope it's it's better to listen to me talk about it than the album was for me to listen to itself. I will just say that. Maybe time will will ease all wounds and I can come back to it and see what everyone else is so gaga about about it. But anyway, the next album is much better. Than Neil Young. And this one came out. I have two different notes. Either September the 22nd or the 23rd. Obviously 1970. Is this what we do? <laughs> this is Santana's Abraxas. <laughs> and 
this is the second studio album and you know i'm familiar with santana briefly i mean i know he's an amazing guitarist carlos santana great guitarist but honestly though until i started going getting into these notes i didn't realize there's another vocalist it's not santana singing most of this stuff i did not realize that i just never really took the time to delve too deeply into it but i actually do have some brief notes on the, the album itself and um like the title abraxas it, it, it it's kind of interesting it originates from a line in herman hess's book damien and it's quoted on the album's back cover it's the quote is we stood before it and began to freeze inside from the exertion we questioned the painting berated it made love to it prayed to it we called it mother called it whore and slut called it our beloved called it abraxas so i mean that's kind of weird you know to go in with this music i don't know if it somehow ties in with the whole vibe what they were going for the album cover is really eclectic <laughs> i don't know if you if you checked it out a little it's, bit it's it's there uh, so if everyone everyone check out the album cover it's pretty cool and just another couple of brief notes i have about it um we always talk about rolling stone's list of 500 greatest albums well in 2003 this was number 207 and in 2012 it remained there and as far as I know, I think there was a revised list. And I don't know if you have... I think it came out in 2019 or 2020. I may be wrong on that one, but... Yeah. This is right, you know... So this is in the top half of 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. And just another side note. In 2000, it was voted number 202 in Colin Larkin's 100 All-Time Albums. And... The album's also included in the book 101 Albums, or 1,001. Look, it's hard to look at that. <laughs> 1,001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. So this album gets a lot of praise, and I understand it after listening to it. Um, you know, it, like talking about praise, I mean, it was, it was deemed culturally, historically, or artist, artistically significant by the Library of Congress. And it was selected for Preservation in their National Recording Registry in 2016. So, if that's not enough high praise for it, you know, I don't know what else is. You know, this has been chronicled in the Library of Congress. So, you know, but other than one of the songs on the album, I wasn't overly familiar other than the song that, uh, that Santana did with... Matchbox 20, Rob Thomas, smooth. smooth. <laughs> I like, and that's, that's I always think about that when I when I hear think of Santana, Black Magic Woman, and that, and another one. But we'll get to that in a minute. You know, how familiar though were you with Santana? I really like Santana, both the band and Carlos Santana himself. I did know that he doesn't usually do vocals. He focuses on guitar and usually lets someone else sing, which is why Rob Thomas was on Smooth. But I don't know much other than the hits. But, that said, the hits are really good. And there are a couple of songs off of this album that I did know. 
that's all I'll say, and then I'll let you get into those. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably are familiar with the singles. Yes. The singles on this album were Black Magic Woman and Oya Como Va. Mirigo. Which is actually a cover. And Hope You're Feeling Better. So there are three singles on this album. So, you know, I was surprised, though, because I'm familiar with Black Magic Woman and Oya Como Va, but I really had never heard Hope You're Feeling Better. But this album is full of tracks that everyone should check out. Honestly, I could name the songs that <laughs> that you should that you that you shouldn't shouldn't bother with because There's not any. this whole album is good. <laughs> There's none. Every song on this album is good. I mean, I'll go through them. Black Magic Woman and actually on the original there's a, um, I guess it's a two-parter because it, it's Black Magic Woman slash Gypsy Queen. And Black Magic Woman is originally a Fleetwood Mac song that was released when Peter Green was with was with Fleetwood Mac. It's all connected. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. I you know I, I I didn't know Black Magic Woman was a Fleetwood Mac song. I did not know that. I have always thought it was Santana's song, but that's the way I heard it. So that's that's the way I know it. But that was a big surprise to me. And like I said before, Oye Como Va, awesome song. I mean, that's actually a Tito Puente song. And I'm familiar with Santana doing it. And strangely enough, there's a 90s artist named Gerardo. If anyone remembers Rico Suave. Yes, he had Oye Como Va on his album as well. So I remember that one, that one too. Oh yes, I remember that tape that you had. <laughs> oh yes, I still I still have that tape, by the way. But, um, th there's a lot of good instrumentals on here too. Um, Incident at Neshaber, it's mostly instrumental. A lot of strong percussion work on this album. I'm not going to go through the the um, personnel list because it's pretty extensive, you know. I, but mainly. Your percussion really stands out. It's just such good rhythm. And Santana's guitar work is just great. And the vocalist on here was really good. And it's not Santana, and I didn't know that. But, you know, the rest of the album. Say Ecabo, really good. I really liked Mother's Daughter. And Samba Pati. And Pati is, is for you. I thought that one was really good. And... The other single, Hope You're Feeling Better, not what I expected going into it. I loved it. And then I think there's just a little segment at the end. It's about a little, maybe not even a minute and a half. And it has like a tribal drum beat. Um, it's a, a, like tribal chanting in it. It's called El Nicoya. Nicoya, I think. El Nicoya. And uh, it, I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. But that was pretty cool, too. And I thought it was a really cool way to end the album. Because it has a strong, strong Latin percussion vibe throughout this whole album. So, I think that was paying homage to that. To, the, to uh, you know, the ancestors. 
but like there's just not a weak song on this album but you know what did you think about it well um first of all i mentioned that i know the songs i hadn't listened to this whole album but i was slightly familiar with the album at least the title so i knew going in this was gonna be a big one i had heard of it before and immediately the very first song told me that this was gonna be just as good as i expected it to be i had high hopes because i did know the title but oh man that guitar just wow now i could have done without the wind chimes in the first song i get it <laughs> the song is called singing winds crying beasts so i understand you notice <laughs> what well, you notice i didn't say that was one everyone should check I out noticed. i do think it was bold of them to put a almost five minute instrumental <laughs> as the first song on the album i will give them that yeah i so. get it i understand why they included the chimes because you know, singing winds i'm just not a fan of a lot of chimes bells horns whistles that kind of stuff I really think I have misophonia, where certain sounds just really, really get to me. I'm not diagnosed, but I definitely have the symptoms. But even with that, the other music in that song, if you can get past those chimes, and even I could get past them for that song, it's spectacular. I actually really enjoyed that song. And I actually, later, I played it for my husband just to test him. <laughs> I played it and said, Tell me who this is. <laughs> of course, he knew who it was. He didn't know the song, but as soon as that guitar hit, he started to smile. I was like, you know it, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, and he did, because it's so distinctive and so good. Like you said, the standouts are, of course, you know, for me, Black Magic Woman and Oye Como Va, which has been stuck in my head ever since I listened to the album. And I'm okay with that. Bueno pagosa, <laughs> la. Okay. Right, yeah, I don't know Black Magic Woman by Fleetwood Mac either. I did know that it was a cover, but I always forget that. And honestly, maybe this is bad of me, but I still haven't gone back to listen to their version because this is Santana's song. They did such a great job on it that <laughs> I almost am afraid to listen to Fleetwood Mac's version. <laughs> I'll eventually get to it, but I am a little worried that theirs will be not nearly as good. But It won't be. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that to affect my enjoyment, so I'm a little worried about listening to it. But yeah, everything on this album was good, and those songs are just spectacular. The guitar is just impeccable. You know, I think I've probably mentioned before on this show how I feel about guitar as an instrument. It's one of my favorites. When it's done well like this, there just aren't any words that can describe the feeling. All I can do is just sit down and enjoy it, and that's how I felt about this album. So. And I already know that I have rated this album higher than you because I'm not as stingy. <laughs> and I know a five-star album when I listen to it. And Library of Congress is right. And as far as one of the 1,001 albums you should listen to before you die, this should be in the top 
200 albums that you should listen to before you die. <laughs> I think it is that good. This is a five-star album from me. But what did you give it? I gave it four and a half, and the only reason is because <sighs> I I really, really loved it, but I don't think it's quite as good as Marvin Gaye or Elton John. But it's up there. It's close. I definitely recommend that everybody listen to it. If we gave quarter stars, this would be four and three quarters. Well, it's going to be. Exactly. That's why I gave it the lower score. <laughs> but it is a five-star album, ladies and gentlemen. Don't listen to the stinginess in her voice. Oh, whatever. Mr. Because... Can't Get Through Neil Young. <laughs> <laughs> It's because it's terrible. I love Neil Young. Now, you know what? I'll tell you something that's not terrible. The next album we're getting ready to talk about. And we went from what I consider a five-star album. That's Latin percussion. To... I'm not going to tell you how many <laughs> stars yet. <laughs> album. That... I mean, what is this? Southern Rock? Blues Rock? Yeah, Southern Rock. Southern Rock? And one of the very first Southern Rock bands that, that we've strong southern rock bands that we've had a chance to review because there's not been a leonard skinner or anything like that so far yeah so this album actually came out september 23rd 1970 and this is the almond brothers band idle wild south and i'm extremely familiar with almond brothers i mean Dwayne almond virtuoso guitarist so this is their second studio album and i've heard their debut album I believe it's his self-titled Almond Brothers Band. You know, right now I don't have it in front of me, but I believe that is the title. Whatever their first album is, I've heard it. Now, I couldn't religiously sit down and tell you the tracks that are on it, but I'm familiar with it. Because I'm a big fan of Dwayne Almond's guitar work and just just love the, the whole vibe of the band. But there, there were two singles, and I was familiar with both of them. Their revival, Love is Everywhere, and the best song that they've ever made. Probably. I don't know. It's bold. They've got a lot of good <laughs> songs, do. but I love Midnight Rider. Just absolutely love it. And that was the other single for this album. But before I really get into the songs, I think everyone should check out, you know, what all do you know about the Almond Brothers band? Probably about the same that you do. We grew up listening to Southern Rock, so we had already heard you know, a fair amount of Almond Brothers, and I just talked about how much I love guitar, so, I mean, you already know that I'm going to enjoy this, because, like you said, Dwayne Almond is fantastic. So, with that, we will get into more specifics. Well... The songs that I think everyone needs to check out, it's extensive. <laughs> this is another one of those, just like the Santana album. Um, most, of this, most of the songs on the album are great. Just great. Like I said, the, the singles, Revival, Love is Everywhere. That one is, I don't want to say hippie, <laughs> but it has that, that vibe to it. That's what they're going for, you know. They're bringing everyone together, you know, trying to be anti-war, love is everywhere. 
you know, that's what they're going for. And it's really nice and pretty. And I like Don't Keep Me Wondering. And like I already said, Midnight Rider, right up there is one of their best songs. I don't know if it's their best song because, you know, Ramblin' Man. Jessica, Melissa, <laughs> they're all just so good. Yeah, <laughs> they have so many. But, it, it, but I mean, Midnight Rider right there is one of their best songs. And that's on here. I like In Memory of Elizabeth Reed. It's an instrumental. I, I thought it was really nice. They did a, a cover of Willie Dixon's Hoochie Coochie Man that was stunning. It's stellar. <laughs> I like Please Call Home and then Leave My Blues at Home. So, so is that seven you know, songs I've, that you've just named? <laughs> yeah. <thought> so. <laughs> you know how many songs? You know, <laughs> yeah, there's seven yeah, songs exactly. on the album. <laughs> every song. Every song is good. There's not a song that you should skip. You can put this album on, just listen to it. You don't even have to listen strongly. Just put it on. You, you'll like the vibe. You can make it as background music, or you can sit down and listen to the lyrics. Oh no, this it's is good. too good to be background music. <laughs> no, but you can. But you can because the music is so good that even if you can't sit down and concentrate on the lyrics, then you can still put this on and jam to it. So, it's good. But, you know, what What all did, what did you think about it? You know, what songs do you think stood out? Well, first of all, I say that it doesn't work as background music because for me, it's so good it steals my focus. I can't help but focus on music this good. Um, I agree. Everything on it was good. The two standouts are the ones that you would expect. You know, Midnight Rider is a huge song. Just about everybody who knows anything about 70s rock knows that song. And rightfully so. It is amazing. And Revival as well. I always forget about that song. I didn't know it, um, but I always forget about that one. But it really is really catchy. This time, I actually thought it reminds me a little bit of Doobie Brothers' Jesus is Just Alright, which I think came after yeah. this. So, you know, I guess they were playing off of the Allman Brothers when they did that. But the guitar on that one, you know, and I think there's some tambourine, the beat in it. If this was food, it would call for a chef's kiss. It's just, you know, almost, Shame <laughs> almost perfection. Not quite perfection. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's, it's close. <sighs> here we go. Yeah. She's already given it the Stewie Griffin compliment sandwich here, even through in the chef analogy. <laughs> so she can get the sandwich. I don't watch enough family guy to get that <laughs> reference. No. This is a five-star album, ladies and gentlemen. I've already thrown it out there. And she's going to not give it five stars, my prediction. Yeah. But okay. I'm not going to give it five stars. I will uh, tell you that. Because, again, it's not as good as Marvin Gaye, but it is close. Yeah. It is, I will say it again, it is so, so excellent. I really enjoyed listening to it. And before I give my score... Even though you've already given yours. Marvin, yes. Marvin Gaye never played guitar <laughs> as good as Dwayne Allman. I'm just going to say that. Leave that. Just leave that one hanging out there. Yeah, because he was not really a guitarist. <laughs> anyway. Mm -hmm. yeah. you know, before I give my score, I do want to mention um, the Allman Brothers Band is just full of talent. We've focused on Dwayne, but he's not the only one that was great. Everybody else in the band was really good at what they did as well. 
And oh, Greg, 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 Greg almond is really good. You also said Greg, Greg, because he has the double G. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't know all of this, so I wanted to share it after I looked it up. But all of the tragedy that that band went through is just terrible and heartbreaking. Dwayne Allman died the following year after this album came out. He died in a motorcycle accident in 1971. And, just to make it even worse, Barry Oakley, another of the band members, died the following year, 1972, in a different motorcycle accident three blocks away from where Dwayne Allman had his accident in Macon, Georgia. That's just... Wow. <laughs> and then you know, two other members died in 2017. Greg Allman died of cancer that year, and Butch Trucks killed himself in 2017. So most of the founding members are now gone, and I just wanted to recognize them because they were all, all fantastic. And they deserve that recognition. That's oh, and the well, the production on this album is stellar as well. I, I I did listen to a remastered copy because I believe it is a 50th anniversary copy that just came out. I mean, maybe not, but I I, I believe so. So everything was cleaned up quite a bit. So I didn't listen to an original, but I think this would be great on vinyl. Oh, I agree. This is the kind of album if you can... I mean, I'm sure the vinyl is probably worth a lot of money. But if you can find a newer, even a newer vinyl of this, I'm sure this would be great. I mean, well, this is listed as one of the 40 most, most groundbreaking albums of all time in 2014 by Rolling Stones. So, it, it does get, you know, praise. It's had a lot of praise. The, the cover of it's interesting. It's just a member. Uh, it's just the members of the band. Just a photograph. Just and it looks like it's black and white. So you know, I don't. I said interesting. Maybe not interesting. <laughs> you know, maybe it's interesting. Interesting. It's, it's interesting to me that they chose such a mundane photo. It looks like a family photo. But that's really that you went to common for Southern rock in the seventies. <laughs> so <laughs> I know. Well, they are. They're just. They are a family. Oh, yeah, two of them were. <laughs> <laughs> they. Well, I think they probably are. Will all consider themselves brothers. Yeah, but I meant literally. In the Home Brothers <laughs> band, I'd say they probably all consider themselves. That's probably. It reminds me. You go to Olin Mills though, and set up the shoot, and they went and had a had glamour shots or something done. I'm too young for that. So. <laughs> Olin Mills had already closed by the time that I came along. Well, <laughs> At least this around is what here. This might have been. But like I've already said, for me, this was five stars. So, you know, go ahead and sell it short for everyone. <laughs> no, it's not selling it short. It didn't strike me quite as much as Marvin Gaye. It was close, but it also gets dinged just slightly because there are only seven songs, and they're so good that I want more. I wish they had done more. <laughs> if it had more tracks on it, it might have gotten a higher score. <laughs> they were touring extensively at that time and they really didn't have time that's how they built their their band and their popularity was extensive touring yes on the road. and i understand and that, i believe but... it was with the rolling stones i believe it was with the rolling stones and, and i mean other bands as well but that was the, one of the big ones 
That's how they became known. But I wasn't but, alive in 1970 oh, to see them perform, unfortunately. Although that would have been amazing. I wish. <laughs> yeah. That would have been great. So. Everyone. Check this album out. Five stars. Like she said, five stars. Yes. Four and a half. You, you heard it here. Five stars. No. Four and three quarters. <laughs> Yep, so we're close. We were, we round up, though, because for, you know, 4.75 rounds up to no, 5. No, I gave it 4.5 so. and you gave it 5, so that means altogether it averages out to 4.75. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still a really, really good score. And you know what? The next album we're getting ready to talk about, not as good as the last two albums that we've talked about. <laughs> I don't want to beat I'm not going to beat it up too bad. Yep. Because I said I wanted this artist to venture maybe a little bit outside of the comfort zone and not do Beatles-esque tracks and definitely don't do big band old crooner type stuff that you are not capable of handling. We've already reviewed a Ringo Starr album this year. And I trashed it as well. It deserved to be trashed. It was not good. This album, much better. Much better. So, it, when I first saw that we were going to be doing a Ringo Starr album, I was like, oh, please, please let him have not went with that big band thing or that crooner thing again. I hope he learned his lesson. And I think he, he did. did. This, this is his second studio album. And this is... Boku's of Blues. I love the title. <laughs> love the title. This is a, a country blues. Not really bluesy, but country more style album. It was recorded in Nashville. And I'm just going to run through the songs that I think everyone should check out. Then I'm going to turn it over to you because I know you know a lot more about this because you love Ringo. And country music. And then... I, don't, I like country music. I, I don't dislike it. You'll see there's quite a few songs on here I like. Uh, there was only one single, and that's the title track, Boku's of Blues. I think everyone should check that one out, definitely. It reminds me of a country western Roy Orbison, in a way. I, I would give him that praise. I think he does a really good job on that. I liked Love Don't Last Long. I really liked that one. I liked Woman of the Night. <laughs> It was interesting to me to hear Ringo singing about a prostitute that he was in love with, but that was that one kind of threw me. But the songs really taught a, a strong title, you know, a good track, and I also liked Losers Lounge. So you know, like I said, this one's much better than his his debut album, Away from the Beatles, and I'm and you can tell his you can tell his heart was more into this album. Because the country western thing was something he was interested in. So it was good to hear that he was throwing himself into this. And I think it was a pretty good success. But I'm not going to give it a star rating right now. If I haven't mentioned it came out September 25th, 1970. But I'm not going to mention my star rating or anything. But I think there are quite a few songs that are you know, definitely worthy of being checked out. But... I'm going to turn it over to you for your thoughts on Boku's of Blues. Alright. Yeah, I agree. This is definitely better than his previous album. 
I don't remember what we individually rated his previous album. Uh, a sentimental a journey, but together, yeah, together it was two and a half. I just don't remember individually what we rated it. But it didn't get a great score. Neither of us loved it. And I was really hoping that he would do better on this one. And I really do think he did. I was surprised at how country it was. You know, I wasn't expecting that. You know, like you said, it was recorded in Nashville, but I didn't know that until after I had listened. And, you know, with the title, Bokus of Blues, I was expecting it to be blues. And it's not. It It's listed as country blues, but come on. It's really just country. You know, there are some songs that are slightly bluesier, but for the most part, it's just country music. Now, specifically, the songs, Bokus of Blues, was... It was fine, but there was one thing about it that bothered me, and that was the way he pronounced the title. Apparently, the song and the album is not Bokus of Blues. It's Bukus of Blues. <laughs> it's wrong. That's what I thought. But, it's wrong. But it's spelled wrong. I have to assume he knows that it's wrong because, I mean, he's British. France is very nearby, and it's spelled correctly, but... You know, I grew up in the southeast region of the United States. I grew up hearing people talk about having bukus of things. I never realized it was just a mispronunciation of that French word until I listened to this song, and now it makes sense. I can't decide if that's a positive, negative, or neutral point for the song, but <laughs> it did stick with me. It also did bother me that he pronounced it that way, because... He is not a southern U.S. redneck. He doesn't have to pretend to be. But it did go with the style of the song and the style of the album as a whole. And otherwise, it was a pretty good song. Love Never Lasts Long. That's one that you mentioned that you liked. And it's, you know, it's a good song, but wow. That song is super dark. <laughs> the lyrics? <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm really yeah. going to mention about it. But I did want to bring that up because those are some really, really heavy lyrics. But he had a message and he did get it across. The rest of the album, I thought, is where it really started to give off the country music feel. Those first two weren't as powerful on that feel. Fastest Growing Heartache in the West surprised me a little. Because it really isn't bad as a country song. You know, who knew? Ringo does country music admirably well. The Beatles did have some country-inspired songs. One of them was Act Naturally, which is a Buck Owens song, and Ringo did sing that one. But that was more of a tongue-in-cheek sort of thing, so I just always assumed they weren't really doing it in a serious way. So I was legitimately surprised and impressed by this. Um, that's not the only one that was just strikingly country. It's just the first one. I do realize, you know, I said that this isn't really blues, it is definitely more country. I do realize country and blues aren't that far apart if you think about it, if you think about the instruments that both genres use, but they do definitely have a different feel. And I would say that these were more country inspired. Even if the lyrics weren't overtly country, the music was. 
and with some of the songs the lyrics were as well. Loser's Lounge, that you mentioned. That one was very country. Um, but the, the music used classic country instruments. They just had that sound, and it was good. There is really no reason for this to not be a successful country album. I say that as a country music fan for my entire life. The music on here, I thought, is just as good as hundreds of other hit country music songs. And it turns out it... Well... What? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in. You know why the music is I've so good? I've got that. <laughs> just a minute. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the personnel yeah, on I'm... here. And if you get the remastered track, you'll hear Nashville Jam, which has every one of these guys yeah, on it. Yeah, that's my next note. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. We have to give them the I'm new. I'm a little dumb car. Especially, especially I one, got I don't it. know, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. Uh, before I get to that, I will say it was successful as a country music album. We are not the only ones who think that. It hit, I think it's 35 on the country album charts. So, Nashville agreed that this is good. And part of the reason for that is the personnel. There are some you know, heavy hitters on here. Other than just Ringo himself. There are country music heavy hitters. Charlie Daniels. <laughs> he played guitar. It wasn't fiddle. He played guitar on here. But, you know, he is a big, very talented artist. And he was here. He's actually quoted as describing the sessions. I didn't add that to my notes, but you can check the Wikipedia page for the album and see what he had to say about the recording sessions and what it was like recording with Ringo. Jerry Reed, also a big country music star. He did Eastbound and Down and If You're Hot, You're Hot. <laughs> he is also credited for guitar. I actually didn't realize, but in one of the songs, they reference If You're Hot, You're Hot. I just didn't get that it was referring to someone who was actually playing on the song until I looked at the personnel list after I finished listening. And one of the songs, it's listed as backing vocals, but I would have called it almost a duet. Uh, I wouldn't have you any other way. Those vocals are credited to, can't talk, credited to Jeannie Kendall. She was a successful country artist as part of a duo with her dad. They went by the Kindles and had several songs of their own. So, that said, there are some parts of the album where his voice goes off a little bit. I know you have issues with Ringo's voice, and I'll agree. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't sound the best. No, I'm not going to deny that. That's just truth. So, I will mention that. But overall, I didn't think it was too bad on here. I really think that... Uh, <laughs> I never would have expected it, but country music seems to be a better niche for Ringo than some other genres. If he's not with the Beatles, he can do country. And he can do it just fine. I was impressed. So that said, I will let you give your star rating and then I will give mine. I will say he can probably do country music because I'm gonna piss a lot of people off. It's easier. <laughs> country music is simpler. But I mean, the Beatles were known for their three chords. 
so they're not exactly you know being progressive here but this is good um pleasant surprise and something you know that i'm glad that he's going in this direction and you mentioned his voice i think he's just fine in the country mode when he's not trying to project and really push yeah if he doesn't try to force it the, the songs that i didn't really care for as much are when he's trying to force it if he just lets it come to him and he's, he's smooth with it it's fine and i would say that goes for and, everyone it, but especially him it's really noticeable when he when he really tries to force it but i thought this was pretty good and i thought the production was great musicianship's great and his voice was good so i gave it three and a half which i think is i think i gave the first album a two <laughs> so you can see he's already improved and, and if he continues with this i can see him being more successful so if his next album is a country western flair to it I'm sure he will have gotten even better with the formula. So I'm, you know, excited to hear what he has in store. But what, what did you give it? Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. You know, it's not groundbreaking. It's not as good as Almond Brothers or Santana, but it is good, and I did enjoy it. I debated on whether to give it four or three and a half, but I really did enjoy it, and I knew you were probably going to rate it a little lower than me, so I gave it four, so that it ends up with the score I wanted it to have of three and three quarters. And I will mention, <laughs> because you were talking about how the Beatles do you know, easier music, that may be true, however, Ringo has been recognized as one of the most accomplished drummers of all time by industry folks. So, just saying. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's just because he was accomplished because he was a member of the Beatles. I don't know. He's just recognized that would be as one why of the he best. Would be one of the, yeah, that that doesn't mean he's the best. That just means one of one of the most. Accomplished okay, accomplished is my because, term, not theirs. Because because John Bonham is a much better drummer than Ringo Starr. They did. I had. I said it. It had to be said. They didn't use the word accomplished. <laughs> I used the word accomplished. No, uh, no, I, I, I don't dislike Ringo. I mean, I always, it always seems like I'm bagging on him. He is the least like talented of the four Beatles. He is the least talented. He is the one of the most well loved, like and liked. But he admitted his himself as well that he can't really sing. He said it as well. So he, he knows he doesn't have the best voice. So, you know, going into that, he had fun with that album. So, yeah, I really did like it. I, I invite everyone to check it out, especially if you're a fan of, like, 70s, older-style country western. I don't think you'll be disappointed with it. And I wouldn't be surprised if you would hear a couple of these songs come up on, like, a, like an XM radio, you know, old, like, 70s country western songs. That, that wouldn't be a big surprise to hear one of these just slide into the, the playlist or something. Yeah. Probably not Woman of the Night. <laughs> well, probably not Woman of the Night. I, but, but if it is XM, yeah. maybe. XM doesn't censor <laughs> anything. So. <laughs> so, But yeah, I invite everyone to check it out. And, you know, normally we would take a quick break and go to an Amy's All Alone. Come back and finish the week. But I think we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're just going to take a break, 
go to Amy's All Alone. And I think she is actually going to finish out the week for us. But I'm just going to point out. It's coming upon us pretty soon, guys. Thanksgiving coming up. But we're still going to try to have our episode of Off the Record for you guys. Hopefully. <laughs> and you can't go anywhere <laughs> we'll anyway. So you might as well listen to us. <laughs> might as well. In between your food coma. Because no one's going to be around to help you eat all that food. 37 cents a pound turkeys right now at Walmart, guys. Grab one before they're gone. <laughs> so, but I, I think we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Amy's going to be all the while. it's Amy and I am here for my Amy's All Alone segment. I have to be honest though, I'm honestly not alone this time. I'm sitting here on my couch next to my husband and my cat Boris is here. You might hear Boris in the background, he's a loudmouth. Luke is kind of shy, he'll probably be quiet though. So we'll just pretend that I'm alone. I I'm going to talk about Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. The album is Pocket Full of Miracles. It was named for a 1961 movie. Has nothing to do with that movie, it was just named for it. This album came out September 30th, 1970. This is not the first time that I have reviewed the Miracles this year. I don't remember if we had a separate Miracles album or if it was just some stuff on a compilation. I don't remember. But I remember talking about Smokey Robinson for sure and the other Miracles as well. Now, <laughs> let me be clear. I think Smokey Robinson is great at what he does. I love Smokey. And the other Miracles also. I am a fan. But, having said that, their 1970s stuff just hasn't really been at the level I expect from them so far. And, unfortunately, this album really isn't any different. Flower Girl, the opening track, and Pointed Out, which was a single, are both fairly catchy. I'll give them credit for that. Don't Take It So Hard is another song off of the album. And that one, to me, was reminiscent of I Second That Emotion, which is a song that I love. So maybe that one is one of the better songs on here for that reason. Except I did kind of feel cheated in a way. Like, maybe I'd rather just listen to I Second That Emotion instead of this one. And this album, it just had too many covers. I'm kind of getting tired of people covering stuff, especially certain songs that freaking everybody have done their own version of this year. So, this album includes, again, Bridge Over Troubled Water. 
the last time I listened to an album that had this song, I said, It's a great song. I love it. It is a Simon and Garfunkel song. Everybody else does not need to cover it. As much as I love Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, they didn't need to cover it either. Same thing with another one of the covers on this album. Something by the Beatles. Everybody's used that one too. And so did the Miracles. It was part of a medley, but still. I love that song. And not everybody needs to do it. It's a great song, but not everybody can do it well. Even the song Get Ready. The Temptations did that song, and they did it so well that it's almost impossible for anybody else to match it. Smokey Robinson wrote it, but I'm sorry, The Temptations did it better. And there was one other song that I wanted to mention, Darling Dear. It was released by some of the Motown writers, or written by some of the Motown writers, but it was released earlier the same month by the Jackson 5, and their version, which we just reviewed, was just better than the one on this album. Don't get me wrong, all of this music still sounds good. The Miracles, Smokey Robinson has a great voice, the Miracles are good, they always sound good. And it did chart well, although more modern reviews just aren't very enthusiastic about it, and I agree with those less than enthusiastic reviews. It's just that none of it is particularly interesting. It's not bad, but several of those songs were done better by other groups, and the original ones just weren't as good as I wanted them to be. They just... (laughs) They just weren't that interesting. It hurts me to give the Miracles a lower score because I truly do love them and I think they're very talented. This just isn't their best work. They can do better. They've done better. They'll do better in the future. 1970 just wasn't really their year. I'm not actually giving it a low score because like I said, it does still sound good. It's just lower than I want for the Miracles. But I do think it's a fair score. This is three and a half stars for me. Alright, that said, I I think that's actually all I have to say about this album, and since it's the last one that we had for this week, we are going to say goodbye. Enjoy your week, wear your mask, be a good person, just do the right thing, please. It's a difficult time for all of us. But we need everybody to just do the right thing. Enjoy the music and enjoy your week. Bye.